Uh, good morning to you. Welcome to the papers for Friday morning, the 9th of February, 2024. You all right this morning, Yar? You well? Not too shabby myself. I'm doing all right. Bit of a minor head cold, but uh, nothing to get your knickers in a twist about. Big weekend ahead for sports fans. The Super Bowl takes place this weekend in Las Vegas, doesn't it? Don't ask me who's playing in it. The Niners, yes, the San Francisco 49ers are playing. Are they playing the Kansas City Chiefs, are they? Haven't a Scooby-Doo. But um, the British media is more interested than usual in the Super Bowl. American football does have a big following around the world. It really does, to be fair to it, in the UK. But the, but the obsession this weekend is all to do with Taylor Swift, who is apparently dating one of the big players, one of the more well-known players, and they're all over this this morning, and they will be over the weekend, Taylor Swift garnering a lot of attention. Anyway, shall I go straight to the front pages, shall I, uh, this Friday morning? Let me do that. Kick off today with the Financial Times. Starmer U-turn slashes £28 billion yearly green spending promise to £4.7 billion. Starmer U-turn, 28 billion yearly green spending promise reduced to 4.7 billion. What's this about? Well, you know, because the broadcast media has been all over it. It was announced yesterday that Labour, if in government, will scrap a previous promise to spend 28 billion pounds a year on green investment. The Financial Times says the change is part of an attempt to draw a line under a political dispute over how much the party would borrow if returned to power. And that is the spin the Labour Party is putting on this green promise, or the the spin Labour is putting on its decision to renege on this big green spending package. The spin is, well, we are fiscally responsible, you see. We're looking at the way the wind is blowing economically and we realise we cannot make promises that we might not be able to keep because it doesn't look like we have or we will have enough money, financial constraints and all of that. So that's the spin the Labour Party is putting on this change, this, you know, green pledge that it is reneging on. The Tory party and its supporters in the media are basically accusing Starmer of being a flip-flopper, somebody you can't trust. The Guardian, same story, headline, fury, as Starmer stages U-turn on £28 billion green investment pledge. There you are. Also on the front page of The Guardian, scores of female Ministry of Defence staff report harassment. Another one of these stories. Don't, by the way, imagine for a minute, I, I take things like, like this lightly, but there are so many of them around. You know, stories about so many different sectors where women are claiming they've been harassed. Uh, MOD. Sky News ran a disturbing report yesterday and it ran the report on Wednesday about ambulance workers, paramedics, female paramedics, saying they are being routinely harassed by their male uh, colleagues. And I wonder, I'm, I'm not, I would never, ever um, tell any woman who claims she was harassed, I would never say, I, I, I disbelieve you or I don't believe you. The thing I find very strange is, in the post-Me Too climate, the post-Weinstein climate, it's, it's mad to me to think that blokes are still 
behaving inappropriately with women in the workplace. I um, I just find it all very bizarre. Again, I'm not saying it isn't happening, but it's mental really, isn't it? Again, maybe men's addiction to pornography maybe has something to do with it. I don't know. The Times, the Times has a very interesting interview with Rod Stewart, by the way, which I read a little of this morning preparing this programme, but then I realised I had to stop and leave it for later because you won't be too interested in me talking about Rod Stewart. But interesting interview if you do subscribe to the Times. Front page of the Times, Starmer angers left with Labour's green reversal. Yes, I've already told you. The Daily Mail, can you ever believe a word Sir U-Turn says? Again, I don't have to tell you. So this is the Conservative Party supporting Mail, gleefully having a pop at Starmer's reversal on the £28 billion green investment package. Very good. The Daily Express unleashed PM vows to call out Starmer's dirty tricks. So what's this about? Well, it's about this silly row which erupted after Prime Minister's questions on Wednesday. The mother of the trans teenager Brianna Joy, Esther Joy, was in Westminster to talk about the dark web and how it might be harming the minds of kids. Anyway, during the exchanges at Prime Minister's questions, the Prime Minister had a pop at Starmer for flip-flopping on a number of things and then threw in, you know, the guy doesn't even know what constitutes a woman or something. He made a joke about the definition of a woman. And then he was accused of being insensitive and some media types, including the idiot, the bearded wonder at LBC, James O'Brien, inferred that he made a horrible anti-trans joke during PMQs. Well, he didn't. He didn't at all, really. Um, Not that I'm any fan of Rishi Sunak's. So that's what it's about. So the Conservative Party are going to start to call out Keir Starmer's Dirty politics, that's the headline. The Daily Mirror, Nation in Decay, is the headline. And this story's been running all week. It's about how access to dental services is becoming more and more difficult and unaffordable for people. And how NHS dentists, or, or access to an NHS dentist, again, is becoming very, very difficult. Waiting, waiting lists are unimaginable. And it has resorted sorry, it has resulted in people resorting to doing their own dentistry, homemade dentistry. BBC Question Time last night, BBC Question Time, these days presented by Fiona Bruce, Paddy McGuinness, the comedian, actor and game show host, stunned the audience when he said he had witnessed his own father using a pair of pliers to extract a two. So that's the mirror. The eye leads with post office admits second IT scandal may be linked to wrongful prosecutions. The metro leads with, and we'll talk about this briefly, absurd arena bomb denier is the headline. And the metro has a photograph of Richard Hall, who is a I don't know how I, I I know Hall I know of Hall, and I had one or two minor run run-ins with him years ago now many years ago, um when when I called him out for for um knowingly putting false information in in uh, podcasts and and in videos, but Hall um has has claimed repeatedly that the Manchester Arena bombing was faked, a judge has called this absurd and fantastical. He's being sued by a dad and his daughter 
was the dad's daughter who were injured in the attack. Hall says it was part of a government exercise and that the survivors lied about their injuries. The couple, the father and daughter suing him, are suing him for harassment, uh, misuse of private information and data protection. I'll very briefly talk about it at the end of the papers today. There are many um, peculiarities about the Manchester Arena bombing. Of course there are, and they were discussed openly on the Richie Allen show at the time. But holds an interesting character to say uh, the least. That's the Metro. Uh, The Daily Telegraph uh, sports a photograph of Queen, not my Queen, Camilla. And the headline is, on the front page, um, Biden can't remember when he was vice president. Fears over president's memory, as the report says, he forgot dates in office under Obama. And this story is running and running and running and running. Biden is 81. And he was interviewed by lawyers back in October as part of an investigation into his handling of classified documents. A final report following that investigation has been released and it said that he shouldn't be prosecuted because jurors would listen to him and conclude he was simply a well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory. His memory is so poor he struggles to recall when he was vice president and um, important details about the death of his son. I think it's pretty obvious, my friend, don't you, that Joe Biden is is impaired. It is stone cold obvious that the guy is struggling and that he has some sort of issue, maybe dementia, maybe Alzheimer's, and is certainly unfit, I would say, to run a country. But then again, Joe Biden has never run the United States. Neither did his predecessor or his predecessor, or his predecessor. Yes, The Sun. Headline, Blue What is the headline? It's a football story on the front page of The Sun. The Sun alleges that football fans are reacting with fury over plans to trial a blue card. So if you're not into your soccer, I'll briefly tell you that in a game of football, if a referee thinks the player a foul has been committed or or bad language or abuse of an official is is severe enough or a foul is severe enough, the referee has two options. He or she can issue a yellow card, meaning that the player is now on a yellow card and has to be very careful for the rest of the game because if you receive a second yellow card, you will be sent off and your team will have to play the rest of the game with 10 men or 10 women. Right. Um, the, the referee also, by the way, can issue a straight red card at any time during the game if it is serious foul play, okay? But they're going to trial a blue card, which would see a player sent to a sin bin for a 10-minute cool-off player. Sin bins are in use most uh, prominently in rugby union and rugby league. Fans are pissed off, saying they're, they're messing around with the game enough they don't need to introduce blue cards and finally the front page of the daily star i'm at war with frisky foxes is the headline i'm at war with frisky foxes and it's about the bbc dj paul gambaccini uh, who's um pretty annoyed about foxes making noise and urinating on his newspapers it quotes gambaccini saying he wouldn't wish his experience on anyone <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, the star also jokes that the paper 
that is being urinated on by the foxes is not even the Daily Star, it's the Financial Times. Okay, let's look inside the papers. It is the papers with me, Richie Allen. This is a podcast. Thank you for downloading it and listening to it. It is Friday morning, the 9th of February, 2024, as I record this. Well, 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 let's start inside the Telegraph. Piers Morgan leaves Talk TV, calling his low-rating daily show a straight jacket. Piers Morgan is leaving television and heading to YouTube, according to The Telegraph, saying his nightly talk TV show has been a, quote, straight jacket, end quotes, with lacklustre ratings. Morgan Uncensored, or Piers Morgan Uncensored, Uncensored even, has attracted some of the biggest names in politics and entertainment, beginning with a Donald Trump interview for the launch show. This week he interviewed Rishi Sunak and made headlines by persuading him, the Prime Minister, to make a bet on Rwanda flights leaving before the next election. However, ratings for the daily 8pm slot are small. The Sunak interview was watched by barely 50,000 viewers on television, but has been viewed 335,000 times on YouTube. Morgan announced that he would make the show YouTube only in a move that will raise questions about the future of Rupert Murdoch's talk TV. He is the station's star name. Now, I suppose it would be easy for me to bash Piers Morgan. Um, Quite easy, because Morgan is a ridiculous character. Um, He is a fucking scumbag. If I start, I won't stop ranting. In every sense of that term, scumbag. You remember him when he was paid a fortune on Good Morning Britain on ITV, um, refusing to question lockdowns, the sanity of lockdowns, the legitimacy of the policy, how harmful it was, refused to. He berated government minister after government minister for not introducing harder and faster lockdowns. He was also an unashamed supporter of the dodgy mRNA jabs, wasn't he? Screaming abuse at anybody who, you know, questioned whether it was sane to take an untested medicine for a very mild virus. Morgan is a fucking scumbag. And he's one of the biggest narcissists that's ever appeared on British television. So it's easy to bash the prick, because he is a prick, excuse me for the expletive-laden rant here. But he is, I despise him. However, however, people are watching their television, people are watching programmes and consuming content in ways that were pretty unimaginable 5, 10, 15 years ago. So while you can bash somebody for only attracting 50,000 viewers to his live TV show, and you can bash him for it because I get far more listeners listening live to the Richie Allen radio show, and I've proven this time and again with the metadata. But people consume their media in, 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 in 2024 in a much different way than, than they did in 2004 or 2014. They're getting it on demand when they want it and how they want it. And they're not sitting down to watch live content as much as they once did. It's all Netflix now and it's all Apple TV and it's all um, Amazon Prime and, 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 and it's all YouTube. You know, I don't have to sit down and watch a live television news show. I can watch it whenever I like. I can watch it chopped up on YouTube. You know, I don't like guest B or guest C, but I'm interested in what guest A has to say. So this is how it's moving in any case. So Morgan is saying it's a straitjacket. Morgan being the narcissistic prick that he is, he doesn't have the humility to say, right, these are low figures, but people are consuming their media differently. Morgan is, of course, claiming that he is 
working in a straitjacket, meaning I'm not able to say what I want to say. You know, me, 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 me. As I said, he's a wanker. Um, Murdoch is said to be displeased with Morgan's ratings. Morgan, of course, is saying the decision is mine, but others believe that Murdoch has basically said fuck off because he's been paying him £50 million over three years. Jesus Christ. Wow. Imagine being as untalented as Morgan and being able to command that amount of money. Why would they pay talentless Muppets like Morgan that kind of money to present TV? I'll tell you why. It's because Morgan is pushing an agenda on behalf of his paymasters. Simple as that. Doesn't get any more simple, right? Let's move on. PR exercise for both men. That is the UK mainstream media take on Tucker Carlson's interview with Vladimir Putin, which was uh, posted online on on Carlson's own website and on Twitter last night, about 11 o'clock UK time last night. That's the media take. It was the PR exercise for both men, Carlson himself and Russian President Vladimir Putin. So let's go to the Times, the digital edition. Putin blames Ukraine war on US in Tucker Carlson interview. Let me read a little bit. Putin, President Putin of Russia, has given his first interview to a Western journalist since the start of the war in Ukraine and used it to blame the conflict on the US and Britain, saying it had been triggered by NATO expansion and prolonged by Boris Johnson. Putin also claimed that the detained American journalist Evan Gershkovich was caught red-handed handling confidential information in Russia, but added that an agreement might be reached with the US to release him. He was speaking in a highly anticipated interview with the American former Fox News host and conspiracy theorist Tucker Carlson. I'm reading from the Times. He accused Kiev of, uh, or Kiev of igniting the conflict that eventually led to Russia's full-scale invasion in 2022. He said Washington had orchestrated the overthrow of Ukraine's pro-Moscow President Yanukovych in 2014 and the Western-backed Ukrainian leadership had started the fighting in the Donbass region of eastern Ukraine, a conflict widely seen in the West to have been provoked by Russian-backed separatists. Now, I can tell you, um, I believe to be a fact, that what Putin claimed there is 100% correct. The overthrow of Viktor Yanukovych in 2014 was orchestrated by a woman called Victoria Newland working out of the State Department, the US State Department, that is. Okay, no doubt about that. Um, he was, Yanukovych was about to sign economic deals and trade deals with Russia and move Ukraine closer to Russia, as I said, economically, but also militarily. Uh, Newland orchestrated the coup. We talked about this widely on the Richie Allen Show back in 2014. As to his claim that uh, the fighting in the Donbass region was started by Ukraine. Again, he is absolutely right, 100% right. No doubt about that. So what else was discussed during this conversation between Carson and Putin? Well, again, he denied that Russia would invade other countries in the region. He said, we have no interest in Poland, Latvia or anywhere else. Why would we do that? We simply don't have any interest. And he repeated this allegation that Boris Johnson had intervened during negotiations in Istanbul in 2022, that Johnson persuaded Zelensky not to sign a peace deal and Putin argued it was better, sorry, Putin says that Johnson told Zelensky it was better to fight Russia. Uh, the Times says, the digital edition of the Times says, the pre-recorded, unedited interview, more than two hours long, was released on Carson's website 
last night. Carson put it to Putin that it has been reported that Ukraine was prevented from negotiating a peace settlement by the former British Prime Minister acting on behalf of the Biden administration. Putin responded, responded to that saying, if the Zelensky administration in Ukraine refused to negotiate, I assume they did it under instruction from Washington. Boris Johnson has of course said this is complete and utter nonsense. Putin was at times jovial and appeared to be enjoying the interview. He was asked who blew up Nord Stream, the pipeline in September of 2022. He told Carson, you for sure. Carson joked that he was busy that day. Putin said you personally might have had an alibi, but the CIA has no such alibi. Asked whether he has any evidence that NATO or the CIA were behind the blasts, Putin said, I can't get into details, but you should look for someone who is interested and, and who has capabilities. So I'm not going to say too much about this interview because I've not watched it. I've seen a couple of sound bites from it this morning. But I did say before the interview is that it would be a complete and utter waste of time. The so Tucker Carson is not qualified to, 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 to question Vladimir Putin, the Russian president, on anything. Carson isn't a journalist. And the whole exercise from the point of view of Carson was to make Carson look good and to boost traffic to his website, clicks and likes and follows, and that it wouldn't serve any real purpose, this interview. And here's one of my biggest problems with it. And I will, I will tell you this. Um, if I was in the position where I might be able to secure an interview with Vladimir Putin, the first thing I would do is, um, because both, you know when you're going to interview a head of state, they're going to try and impose some conditions on you. You know, maybe some areas they don't want you to talk about or things they don't really want to get into. And it's your job as a journalist to say, well, hang on a second, you know, and, and, and you, you go through this kind of a rigmarole, this kind of a routine. I would have insisted, and nobody will ask Tucker Carlson this question because Carlson's followers and the people he pals around with are phoning um, lick arses basically to Carlson. I would ask Carlson, why did you not insist that Putin um, spoke English during the interview? Why didn't you insist? That would be a non-negotiable deal breaker for me. Uh, that's me, Richie Allen. So I'm not going to speak to you unless you speak English. Putin speaks English fluently. He is a he has a masterful command of the English language. So why would Putin not speak English during the interview? And I don't understand if Vladimir Putin wanted to make a connection with a Western watching audience, why Putin himself wouldn't want to speak English, why he wouldn't be able, why he wouldn't want to look down Tucker Carlson's camera and say, I'm not interested in war with the United States or with Britain or with France or anybody else. I'm not interested in it. I'm only interested in the well-being of my people. Don't want war. I want this Ukraine war to end tomorrow. That's what I want to happen. I want Joe Biden or Donald Trump, whoever's going to be in the White House in the autumn, I want them in uh, Moscow sitting down having a beer with me where we can sort all of this out. Putin speaks English. His level of fluency has often been praised by the British and American media. In fact, Putin has been praised because he has been seen on occasion correcting his own interpreters. There are videos of him speaking English fluently. Right? Dmitry Peshkov, a Kremlin spokesperson, has gone on the record to say his, his, his English is absolutely perfect, word perfect. So why 
and I know I'm repeating myself now, but this is a very important point. Why would you not insist he speaks English? And I'll tell you why. Because from an interviewer's point of view, it is extremely difficult. And I've done it myself over the years. I did it when I worked in London. I did it when I worked in Spain. Interviewing somebody who isn't speaking English and is using an interpreter is a fucking nightmare. Because you can't interject. You can't really have a rapport with them. And you can't say, hey, stop, stop, Mr. President, President Putin, stop now. You know, a broken clock is right twice a day. You know, you're playing the victim card here. Oh, it's the West, the West, the West, the West. But what about this and what about that? Putin is a gangster. You'd want to be saying things to him. You'd want to be throwing in, well, what about this? And what about these, um, you know, uh, dissidents overseas that have died mysteriously? And all of these things, right? You'd want to be saying these things to him. So that's my big problem with it. So Carson's interview, Car- Tucker Carson's interview with Putin is worthless, in my opinion. Anyway. Staying with the Telegraph, Ross Clark. The BBC's latest climate climate coverage makes Extinction Rebellion look moderate. It's a very good article by Ross Clark. I won't um, read too much of it for you, but Clark is talking about Keir Starmer, Labour leader, the abandonment of the pledge to spend twenty eight mil sorry twenty eight billion a year on green projects. And Ross Clark is talking about the coverage of this. So Starmer announced yesterday, not going to spend that money on green projects because we've got to be fiscally, almost ironically conservative. We've got to manage the purse strings really cleverly when we're in government. Now the fallout from that is the coverage of it. And Ross Clark has been watching the coverage of it and says that the BBC coverage, coverage of it is quite extraordinary indeed. It's worse than Extinction Rebellion. The BBC has brought people on like Professor Sir Bob Watson, he's been on there. You know, Justin Rowlett is the BBC's own climate correspondent and they have been making these incredible apocalyptic uh, predictions going way beyond Extinction Rebellion. You know, we're all going to burn to death and London will be flooded and all of this. And this guy, Ross Clark, has just been aghast watching this. I can't believe it. You know, it's bad enough to have Extinction Rebellion and all these loonies running around talking about the end of the world is nigh. But for the BBC to be doing it themselves... Um, it's absolutely astonishing. Ross Clark writing in The Telegraph today. As I mentioned, a number of newspapers going with Biden's memory after yelling at reporters that his memory is hunky-dory. Thank you very much. Yesterday, he then spoke and confused the leaders of Mexico and Egypt. <laughs> it's kind of funny that. You know, he ranted at reporters about memory's fine, thank you very much. And then in his speech, he mixed up the leaders of Mexico and Egypt. To be fair, I'm 49 and I read the papers cover to cover every day. So I'm, I'm a pretty good guy to have in a table quiz or a pub quiz. You know, if they say, who's the president of this country or that country? I'm usually pretty good, but I mix them up as well. But th- there's no doubt that uh, Biden is impaired. However, however, um, during this press conference yesterday, uh, th- this is in the Daily Mail today, uh, Joe Biden slams Israel's military actions in Gaza as over uh, the top. An agitated Joe Biden has called Israel's military actions in Gaza over the top in his harshest criticism since the bombings and invasion uh, began. He said he was trying to broker a long ceasefire to get humanitarian aid to civilians in Gaza and push for the release of Hamas hostages. I've been working tirelessly on this deal, he said. There are a lot of innocent people dying, a lot of innocent people starving, and it's got to stop, said Biden. This is the Papers podcast. Going to finish with this. Uh, Manchester Arena bombing. Judge slams absurd claim attack. Let me start again. 
I'm having a Biden moment. In the mirror, the front, the the, the one of the, one of one of the big stories in the paper today: Manchester Arena bombing. George Slam's absurd claim attack that killed 22 was staged. That's right. The absurd claim that the attack that killed 22 was, in fact, staged. A claim that the Manchester Arena bombing was staged by government agencies and didn't kill or injure anyone is absurd and fantastical, a judge at the High Court has ruled. So this is Martin and Eve Hibbert. They're bringing legal action against Richard Hall, who um, Hall describes himself as a researcher. He has a website, um, Rich Planet, I think, for many. He's been around a long time, Hall. So I've been doing my shows for years and years. So I've bumped into this guy uh, from time to time. About 10 or 11 years ago, he refused uh, to come on the the uh, on, on television with me when I was at the People's Voice in London because he got wind of the fact that I was going to have a go at him for knowingly putting misinformation, um, using it as clickbait for his website, uh, putting it out there. I can't exactly re- remember what it was, but it was, a, it was an open and shut case that, that he'd been basically telling porkies. And he got wind of it, had initially been keen to come on, and then decided against it. That was fair enough. I invited him again around about 2014 when the Richie Allen Show first broadcast, which um, was in September of 2014. And again, he, um, I won't say he bottled it, but he refused to come on. Fair enough. So I don't really like Hall. And, and I don't like the manner with which he goes about doing what it is he does. And that's okay. I'm entitled to that. And Richard D. Hall's entitled to do whatever he wants to do. And he is entitled, of course, to his opinion. So what about the court case? Well, it's an interesting one. They say he was harassed. He was basically caught red-handed, secretly filming people, you know, in a bid to prove that they hadn't been injured in the attack. They're not happy with it, so they've taken him to court. So this has echoes of Alex Jones and Sandy Hook in terms of what constitutes, um, you know, the right to have an opinion and what constitutes harassment. So I'm not going to give you too much of an opinion. I'm going to leave it up to you what you think. I'm going to tell you what I think about the bombing. The bombings... I'll tell you what stinks about the bombing. You might remember we had a bit of a world exclusive, didn't we? On the Richie Allen show very shortly after the bombing. Because David Shaler, who worked for MI5 for years, an interesting guy, somebody I've always enjoyed interviewing, to be honest. Very, very articulate, very smart guy, David. He has a weird and wonderful private life, I think. And I think the media uses his weird and wonderful private life to beat him up, you know, to bash him, to claim that he's an idiot. But I don't think David Shaler is an idiot at all. find him very, very smart, very lucid. David Shaler is most famous for going on the run with Annie Mashon, um, you know, because they blew the whistle on spying by MI5 on Labour Party members. They blew the whistle on much more as well, did Mashon and Shaler. But anyway, David Shaler came on the Richie Allen show and he said, look, this guy... Um, Salman Abedi, who is being blamed for the attack at the arena. This guy Abedi. Do you know his father was Ramadan Abedi? And do you know who Ramadan Abedi was? And I said, no. Ramadan Abedi was a MI6 asset. He was um, basically being paid by MI6 to try and bring down the Gaddafi government in Libya. It's his son. Can you believe this? And I said, Jesus wept. David Shaler broke this on the Richie Allen show. I think the only newspaper that ran it then thereafter was The Guardian. So then he went on to tell me that not only was this very peculiar, but Abedi had been travelling around Syria, that is, Salman Abedi, the so-called arena bomber, and that the intelligence agencies would have had him on a very, very serious red list. And then he was able to waltz back into the UK. 
he lived in a home not far from where I used to live in Fallowfield. He lived in a home near um, Wilbraham um, Road in, in Fallowfield. And he was known to Libyan people living there. So David Taylor said, this whole story is very weird and very bizarre. Um, that this guy would be the son of a man who was an MI6 asset. Now, these are serious questions. And, of course, nobody has asked this question. So Richard D. Hall might, you know, might, might have a point when he says something is very filthy about the Arena bombing. And I think he might have a point. But the idea that nothing at all happened at the Arena, I don't buy this myself. And the reason I don't buy this is a very, very good friend of mine has a sister um, who um, was a nurse who was called to Manchester Royal Infirmary uh, on the evening of the bombing. And she saw people coming in with some catastrophic injuries. There's no doubt about this. I have a mate of a mate. I can't name him. Um, so you might say, oh, Richie, that's unfair of you, but I can't name him. Um, my friend Terry has a friend who I've met a few times. He's a lovely fella. He is an armed police officer. That's all I'm going to say. We know each other through rugby league. We go to watch Salford Red Devils. Lovely, lovely man. He's married to an Irish woman and he has a beautiful daughter um, who's big into the rugby league and, and, and goes to the games. Um, I spoke to him about this um, and he, you know, he has no idea about what type of explosive device was used or the bomber, but he and his colleagues um, were called to the scene that evening and they witnessed the aftermath of the carnage you know, bodies and, and what have you. So this is my take on it. Something very wrong with the narrative. My take on it is, is that something was exploded in the foyer of the Manchester Arena on that particular night. That, that, that is my take on it. And there, there was certainly loss of life and serious injury. But what blew up, and who blew it up, I think is up in the air. I really do. Uh, and I don't think, you know, I think if I knew somebody who'd been there on the evening in question, it was the Ariana Grande con uh, concert. If I knew somebody who'd been hurt in it, you know, if I'd had a personal loss, I would not accept the official story that, that Salman Abedi filled a rucksack full of explosives and blew himself up in the foyer. That just stinks to high heaven. It really does, you know. But um, I'm satisfied, as much as I can be, that injury and loss of life did happen on the night in question. And that's where I would be completely in disagreement with, with Richard Hall and his methods. But again, Hall is entitled to his opinion and he's entitled to do what, um, whatever he likes. But he's found himself in hot water now because he seemingly did stalk people um, hiding in bushes and all of that, filming them and, you know, basically telling them that they were liars, that they weren't injured and that they don't have, you know, um, life-changing injuries and it's all a big load of bollocks. None of it ever happened. I don't think that's a sound theory. Again, Hall is entitled to believe whatever he wants to believe and his followers are adamant that this is, you know, big state tyranny, he's being silenced, you know, blah, blah, blah. They can believe whatever they want. You know, ultimately, I don't know exactly what happened at the arena because I wasn't there. And I understand why people are, you know, very curious about it and why they dispute the official findings. I dispute the official findings. And we know that the intelligence agencies of the United States and of France, particularly in recent years, and of the UK, look, just look at the 7-7 bombings, 2005. Utter bullshit, right? A complete false flag event. No doubt about that. And is, is the arena a false flag? It might be. I have no idea. But I do uh, know, through knowing a nurse and through knowing a police officer,
um, I believe that people were seriously injured and died on the night in question. What was really going on there? Haven't a clue. I'll leave that up to you. That is it for the papers this um, 9th of February 2024. Thank you so much for listening to it as usual. All that's left for me to do is to wish you a great weekend. And I'm going to ask you this. I don't ask you very often. Please support The Richie Allen Show. There are bank account details and there are Patreon details. You can find them on my website, richieallen.co.uk on the on the, on the the menu bar where it says support your show. Do support it. It needs your financial support, okay? I'm working pretty hard here, right? I think we'd agree with that, yeah? All right. Have a great weekend. Bye now. Next time you'll hear me, we'll be on Sunday Morning Melodies live at 10 on Sunday morning. Yes.